nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I used to believe that being a good soldier meant doing everything they told you. That's how they engineered us, but we're not droids. We're not programmed. You have to learn to make your own decisions. And my name is Matt, and you have no idea what you've unleashed here today. There are some things far <laughs> worse, far more frightening than death. <laughs> it's Grand Inquisitor? Yeah, Grand Inquisitor. Threatening threatening Kanan. Yeah, yeah. mine is, uh, is Rex. It's a good it's one. Trying to go, yeah. I don't know, did you use that one? I think I did, but that's fine. We were, we were bound to do it. We were bound to have a duplicate. But uh, I, th- I think I did that one a few, like a month ago or so. But it's fine. If we were organized, we'd have a list of them someplace. But that would require work. <laughs> no uh, extra mile being done here, at least on my side. <laughs> <laughs> I have an alternative name. I have an alternative name for today's uh, Bad Batch episode. Do you want to hear it? Uh, Sure. Live free or die tall. <sighs> All right. <laughs> rough, rough pun. Take it back to the drawing board. All right. I'll workshop it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Do an, uh, run it uh, through some open mics uh, at your uh, local comedy clubs. Those are open again, so we can do that. <laughs> You're like, come on, What's guys. It's a Star Wars reference, and it's a Die Hard reference. You suck. All right. Today we're going to be talking about... Uh, Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 12, Rescue on Ryloth. It aired today, today being July 16th, 2021. But before we get into the uh, the episode synopsis and all that stuff, uh, Matt, any uh, wild and crazy Star Wars moments for you uh, this week? Yeah, um, minimally, I guess. I had a much more active Star Wars week last week than this week. Work, work has just been kicking my butt. And so I did finish... The Race to Crash Point Tower novella or young adult book, however they're categorized, which is a piece in the High Republic pantheon of books um, written by um, Daniel Jose Older. Um, and I, I get, without spoilers, because I won't spoil it, I'll, I'll just say that it's basically part of Rising Storm. It's like a side story. It's like a story that takes place during that book and touches the plot of that book several times. Um, And so things that are happening in Rising Storm are happening sort of around the other characters in this book. And there's a plot point in Rising Storm that is resolved in this book, but not a major one. Right, yeah. Um, This kind of jumped to me. I actually finished finished the uh, Kevin Scott novel, and it was fantastic. It may be one of my favorite Star Wars novels. There's just so much that happened in it, so much to think about. It, it left on a, a, a kind of cliffhanger, I guess. A little bit of one, yeah. Yeah, and just there's just so much that happens that it's just, you know, a lot of times in books you'll get a little bit of, a little bit here and a little bit there of, you know, Star Wars lore and universe building. Then you just kind of take as you get it. This one was just packed to the gills with universe building. Yeah, there's a... So you said it might be your favorite Star Wars novel. I'd probably put it definitely sort of in my top three or top five. I haven't actually sat down and thought about it that much. And I'm sort of trying to get away from ranking stuff. But I thoroughly, mm-hmm. I thoroughly love that book. 
and I'm I started it again, but I just haven't had time to get much back into it. I listened to it for about 30 minutes today when I went for a walk to get away from my fucking computer for 30 minutes. But um, I, I I really want to digest it again, and I think I really respect what they're doing with the High Republic stuff. And if it just keeps getting better like this, we might we might make a High Republic show. Just to, just so we can do have a spoiler conversation about it with each other. You can tell it's not like the movies, the comics, uh, and the shows that are are all um, you know prequels on where they just kind of retcon as they go. You know, um, which is like, well, we can figure out a reason that this person is actually alive, or you know, this happened instead of that happened, and and as much as I you know love the creativity of that because I think that's some of the great stuff about star Wars is that they, this, the high Republic feels like it's on serious lockdown. Like they know exactly what's happening and you know, it's just, you know, they, they've got a, they've got a uh, start and they've got a finish and they know, and they know exactly how they're getting there and how to chunk it up into different things. Yeah. One of the things that in the online discussions I've had about the book is I like to point out how much foreshadowing is in that book. There is a ton of foreshadowing in that book, and this is why I want to go back and read the other books too to see see how many like hints and things. And obviously, there's going to be more reveals as they come back out. And there's going to be more books that come out um, probably around the end of the year from this wave or whatever they're calling it. This phase. This, we're still in phase one. There's three waves of books. This is wave two. Wave three will come out toward the end of the year. I think December, January, maybe. Depending on timing and production. But that's sort of where we're at. And and I think they're really building to something spectacular. Something that you and I are going to like a lot, I think. Well, they've got that show Acolyte coming out. Which, if it's, if it's anything near to what I think it, it's going to be, I'm all in. Like, I'm yeah. just... You know, I'm foaming at the mouth because I have a pretty good idea of who it might be about and, you know, who or who the central character will be and, you know, what it will be about. And so I'm just like, you know, a kid waiting for the video game store, the toy store to open up, you know, standing outside. And I'm just like <laughs> barely keeping my own skin with just the amount of excitement I have for that show and for all the other stuff coming out. Yeah, we should probably after a bad batch, maybe we can have an episode where we just talk about the projects and what we hope from them and things like that. But I'm very excited about Acolyte and I have a, I'm trying not to have too much of an expectation, but I think they're, I think they're hinting at what it's going to be. So, uh, yeah. So why don't we get back into the episode? Um, while we're here. So usually first thing we talk about some of the, um, the people behind the scenes who, you know, made the episode actually happen. Yeah. So, um, today we don't, I'm not going to talk much about the crew because we it's Nathaniel Villanueva. We've talked about him a bunch and it's Jennifer Corbett as the writer. Um, she's done other bad batch episodes and she's an old, she did some resistance episodes. We've talked about them before in the past. Um, I thought it might be fun to look at the sort of cast, like the actors themselves. And so I picked out three um, to talk about today and they're the actors who play ESO2, ESO3, and ESO4, the elite squad um, stormtroopers that 
are assigned to Crosshair. ESO2 is played by an actor named Tina Huang, and I looked her sort of acting backstory up, and she uh, is a soap opera actress from Days of Our Lives and The Bold and the Beautiful. Um, she, she's been on that show, those shows, for like 10 years as recurring characters. Yeah, that's her, that's her background. I was really shocked and like that's that's awesome if that's if that's uh how she makes her living on those shows but she also had a guest appearance on an episode of Grey's Anatomy and on Arrow hmm I haven't watched the first few episodes of Arrow way back when and I just never got into it yeah I, I don't have I only have streaming services and I don't and so we watch we basically binge watch things and we've never gotten to Arrow but I thought it was a cool credit for her um so I wanted to toss it in there um, ES03 is a guy named uh, Ness Batista, and he had a guest role on Falcon and Winter Soldier. He was on an episode of South Park, um, the episode Eek a Penis, which is where they <laughs> grow a penis on the back of a hairless mouse. Oh my god, that's, a, that's an old <laughs> It's an old I want to say that's an old one, but it's not. It's like mid- middle, because it's. Yeah, just because we were living, like we, I had just gotten married, so that was like 2008 or something like that. It was 2008. Good call. Um, yeah, so Ecopenis, um, he had a guest spot on CSI, but his acting, his acting credits are pretty. They're not sparse. They're just not a lot of reoccurring roles, because he's mm-hmm. actually a musician and a composer, and he wrote a lot of the music for the FX show The Shield. And that's what he's best known for, apparently, outside of these guest appearances. So I think if you go, if you believe his IMDb page, what he's actually credited as is a musician and composer that has acting credits. And then ESO4 is played by a woman named um, Dahlia Hall, and she has a bunch of acting credits as well. And she's most known for a reoccurring character on a show I don't know anything about called Grace and Frankie, but she's also in a horror film called Bad Hair about hair that kills people. Oh, my, my wife loves Grace and Frankie. It's, um, it's Livia Dukakis and um, I can't think of her name, Lily Tomlin. Like uh, they're, Oh, they're two. Um, their husbands work together and um, Livia Dukakis is kind of like the haughty toddy one. And she's married to Martin Sheen um Lily Tomlin is married to um oh the guy who played the um the DA in Law and Order for the longest time and Sam like the first episode yeah and what happens is is that it turns out that their husbands are they've been working together they're lawyers in a firm turns out they've been having an affair forever so they leave their wives and get married and so they're just kind of left kind of like okay well what now and so it's kind of funny. It's not my. I kind of stopped watching it after a while because I just I don't know, lost interest. But it was. It's an interesting premise. Kind of funny. Well, this this actor um, has a reoccurring role in that show. I didn't see. I didn't click through all of her credits, but she's in at least a dozen episodes. And so she's. You've probably seen her, then. Um, so that that's all I have today for the for the crew and and actors. So if we're we're ready to go. We can probably move on to the plot. All 
All right, so the show opens up with Cham, uh, Eleni, and Gobi in a cell. Rampart and Hauser are checking on them. Rampart taunts Cham, calling him a traitor. Rampart threatens Hera. Cham doesn't blink like a like a, like, a, like a boss. You know, Rampart appeals to Eleni, but she refuses to help him. She's cool as cool as a cucumber or whatever passes for a cucumber on Ryloth. Now, uh, Rampart leaves. And Hauser stays back for a moment. But he eventually follows Rampart. He definitely seems conflicted. Rampart orders Sindula's followers to be arrested. Hauser says that they can't arrest innocent civilians. Rampart tells Hauser that Cham attempted to kill Ornfrita, and Hauser says it was obvious that Cham had nothing to do with the assassination attempt. Rampart rebukes him, you know, saying, like, well, how do you know? And Hauser claims, you know, yeah, he doesn't know. So, you know, Hauser volunteers to find Hera, and Rampart tells him not to worry about it. He's got a special squad hunting. Hera, which is, I was pretty sure who it was going to be, but a few, a few minutes later, it turns out I was right. Yeah, so the, the whole the whole conversation between Rampart and Hauser here, where Hauser says to Rampart, like, you know he didn't have anything to do with that assassination attempt, and, and Rampart just flips it on him immediately, and he's like, oh yeah, well, who did? And he just tucks his tail between his legs. Yeah. It's because well, he does it's pretty. It's pretty entertaining. You know, he's used to having like the Jedi commanders who wouldn't do underhanded shit like this. You know, where it's like they they would uh, what's basically considered entrapment. They wouldn't do shit like that. So like uh, Hauser was just like he probably has no idea that uh, Rampart set the whole thing up. All right, back to the show. So Hera is uh, staked out near her father's compound that is uh, crawling with clone troopers as well as the elite squad of stormtroopers, which is, you know, as speculated, it is Crosshair's unit. They think that she's fled the planet, but Crosshair doesn't think Hera would leave without her parents. Hera contacts Chopper and tells him to meet her at the base, and they need to send a signal out and fast. So this is, uh, well, I wasn't quite right about, like, how the Bad Batch come into it, but um, eh, close enough. It's fine here because what's what this is sort of establishing is there's this huge hunt for her and she's still evading them and it really establishes her as the sort of competent kid who understands the task that's in front of her in sort of an instinctual way i really i know you i know we both talked about last week that the bad batch would contact them when they had more weapons and that would short circuit the need for Hera to do the contacting but I think this works out fine. So on the Havoc Marauder, uh, Omega is trying to fix uh, Gonky the Gonk droid. Hunter tells uh, tells her that Gonky's a defective unit, uh, just like the rest of them. Tech calls Hunter to tell them that they're receiving a transmission. Hunter says, new phone, who dis? You know, it turns out it's uh, Hera calling Omega. Uh, Omega gave uh, basically gave their phone number uh, when uh, she was giving Hera a tour of the ship. Hera lets them know that her parents are captured and that uh, she's in big trouble. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about their terrible OPSEC in the Bad Batch in general, but this is this is something so egregious that she gets scolded a little bit for <laughs> handing out their phone number. It's pretty... I love this moment because she is right but wrong, and it's like one of those great moments where like the, you have to like you have to say something to the kid, but you know she's right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hunter is the kind of the dad of the group. You know, he's upset that uh, Omega gave away their comm channel, but Tech is d- dismissive. And actually, they're kind of all dismissive, and Hunter says that they can't help everyone. You know, uh, Omega gets her way, though, and returns to Ryloth. 
you know, she basically pulls that, well, you're soldiers, you know, you need to need to help. You know, that's what soldiers do, right? Yeah, yeah technically soldiers, you know, yeah, <laughs> trained sort of, to destroy things. <laughs> I sort of hated this justification. I wish they would have made her fight a little bit harder for this because mm-hmm. telling like, like you're soldiers, that's what soldiers do. No, soldiers follow orders, right? Soldiers are soldiers are told to do something and they do it. They don't really have the luxury of usually being asked to do something. Yeah, if they're part of an elite like rescue squad, you know, you pulling that card would definitely work. But you know, if they needed something blown up, she could just say, you know, she could pull the same things like, "Hey, you're soldiers, you blow stuff up, right?" Yeah. So the the justification doesn't doesn't hold a lot of water. But you have to get back to Ryloth quick in this episode because yeah. there's a lot to do, and so they just sort of smash cut their back on Ryloth. Hare gives the Bad Batch her genealogy quickly and explains how the Empire is taking their support out. Now this is you know typical you know tactic just to like arrest anybody and everybody you know you, you see it a lot in uh, authoritative regimes pretty much anybody who might be uh supportive of somebody or just you know maybe said something once or just happens to look at somebody the wrong way you know gets arrested yeah it's the gulag protocol Mm-hmm. yeah hera hires the bad batch to break her parents out of the capital detention center hunter says that they'll do some recon but he can't promise anything if it's too if it's too much. So in the capital city, there are crowds and probe droids everywhere. Rampart gives a speech about the assassination attempt and that that Orn Frita is alive and real recover and that he you know, saying that he's beloved, which I don't think anybody on Ryloth actually likes him. Hunter hears the speech and is worried, but Harris says that it's just propaganda. It's just another interesting moment where they're doing recon. He hears Hunter hears the speech. And he has this moment of hesitation where he says, like, did, did your dad try to kill the senator? And Hera's like, no, don't worry about that. And they just move on. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty wild. Like, you, yeah, just take- met, you just met this girl. You just you were just running guns for them. And yeah. now the senator's been shot in the head. And you, you're going by the word of, like, a 12-year-old girl that everything is cool. Like, like you're a merc. Stop asking so many questions. <laughs> Yeah, so Omega spots Crosshair in the crowd. Bad Batch, they uh, figure out a plan. And Tech says that there's too many troops. Wrecker wants to bomb the city, of course. His, when, you're a, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Hunter disappears and attacks and destroys a probe droid. But um, like Han, they assume that their position has been given away and Crosshair will now come after them. And then, uh, of course, as expected, Crosshair is immediately handed a tablet and notified that Clone Force 99 is on Ryloth. Yeah, this this once again speaks to the pace of this episode, where he butchers this probe droid and says, like, oh, now they're going to find out that we're here, and then immediately smash cut to a trooper handing him a pad, handing Crosshair a pad, saying, like, hey, Bad Batch is here. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's there's a lot going on. It is, like, cutting between multiple scenes. There's no no economy of time here. It's just... It's just putting all of this plot in place so you can get to like the big big stuff at the end but it's it's great like if you if you just look past these these moments they they left them in so we so it's part of the entertainment but it's just going very very fast Mm -hmm. so back at the base Hera and the bad batch are talking hunter decides they can't help so instead they offer to take Hera off planet um hunter just won't do it he he won't listen he says that their only asset was really to be like a surprise attack. That was the only way it was going to work. And now that Crosshair knows they're there, there's no way they're going to beat him. 
he does this in such a way though that really crushes Hera. He basically says like you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Fold them, <laughs> no, yeah, no when to walk away. Exactly, but he but what she's walking away from is her family, and she's mm-hmm. a child. So Omega chastises Hunter for being rude to Hera. Back at Ramparts, Rampart, Rampart and Hauser are talking. And Hauser doesn't want to keep arresting civilians because he thinks this is going to lead to an uprising. Crosshair is waiting for Rampart in his office and tells him that Bad Batch is there. Um, but Rampart tells Crosshair to focus on Hera, catching the girl, and not to worry about Bad Batch. Crosshair does not like this order, and he begrudgingly leaves the office. Cut back mm-hmm. to the base. Omega and Hera are talking. Hera asks why Omega trusts Hunter so much. And Omega says Hunter is her brother. Um, they all are. And Hera says that she's lucky. And this is sort of the low-key sad point of the episode. Because in the Rebels episode, Jedi Knight, where Hera is captured by Thrawn. Thrawn is interrogating Hera, and he has that little doodad of hers mm-hmm. that she was trying to steal. And he points out that the family tree that's represented on the piece indicates that Hera had a brother who died when Hera was very young. And oh, I forgot she, about that. She gets incredibly upset when he brings up her dead brother. And this is obviously much closer in time to that. And she mm-hmm. and when when Omega calls Hunter her brother, like a lot of emotion runs out of Hera's face and she says that she, that Omega's very lucky to have those brothers. Wow. Deep pull. That's low key. It's very low key. It's not emphasized in the episode at all, but it is 100% there and it's 100% intentional. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So Omega tells Hera that they can convince the bad batch if they sort of put a plan together. Hauser back at the facility, Hauser visits the Sindulas in prison. There's a little bit of back and forth about Cham and Alani giving up Hera, telling him where Hera is so he can protect her. Cham doesn't really take this bait, doesn't fall for it, and Hauser leaves. I was a little... I think at this point in the episode, you're supposed to be on the fence about Hauser. Um, Yeah. They're sort of pushing him away from Rampart and Crosshair, but he's still very much a soldier. Whether he leaves it or not, he burned whatever trust he had with... uh the Sindulas, and now they're just like fuck off. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not our friend. They have no reason to trust him right now. Yeah. Even even if he's slowly turning and coming around, there's no way they would tell him where Hera. If if they knew, they probably don't. But there's no way they would tell him where she is. Mm-hmm. Back at the base, uh, Omega and Hera have put together a plan to attack the refinery as a distraction to draw troops out of the capital to allow the Bad Batch to sort of go in and rescue the Sindulas and the other prisoners. Hunter agrees with the plan overall. There's a little bit of back and forth here, but it's a decent plan. They sort of troubleshoot it a bit. And Hunter agrees that Omega, Chopper, and Hera can go attack the refinery while the rest of the team does other other parts of the mission. And it sounds wild to let two young yeah. women... Yeah go on an op with a droid but basically their op is to smuggle chopper into the refinery and get him to turn off the automated cannons that we saw in the last episode that's roughly what their mission is is to smuggle an Mm -hmm. astromech into um, the facility chopper does sneak into the refinery um, to disable the cannons 
uh, by pretending to be a work droid. He peels off from the group and finds the, the terminal where you can disable the cannons. He shocks another astromech to death to get there, um, but he can't disable the cannons, and he's quickly captured. So now Chopper's captured. The super easy plan is now way off the rails. So the cannons are active. They can't proceed with the plan. But Hero and Omega decide that they can steal a shuttle and attack the refinery using the little cannons uh, on that ship. Hunter and Echo um, are scaling the Capitol building to try to get to the prison. And they get up, up on the wall, knocking out a couple clones. Sort of a cool scene, but pretty understated. Um, Tech calls Omega, asks if the cannons are offline so they can start their attack run on the refinery. Chopper will have those guns down. we got to give him more time. <laughs> yeah, that's a great opportunity for a Lando moment here. Doesn't happen. Omega tells them that, uh, yeah, they'll be down in a minute. Just don't shoot down the shuttle they're in. So obviously the plan plan now is that they're going to take the shuttle. The takeoff goes poorly. I don't know. It's like wild, right? They, yeah. She just doesn't know how to fly um, very well. And she's not really in control. She crashes into things. At first, I thought she was doing it on purpose. But I realized, oh, no, she just is being like a bad student driver. The shuttle that they steal, is it, I mean, it, uh, it, it looks familiar, at least they, the head of it, because it has the bubble canopy. Is it? Is it just a modified version that you know that's used for uh, transporting things, uh, or does it have like just like like some sort of like transport container on the bottom of it that's attached? Um, I think I think it's just a like a new class. It's it's just like a regular new class attack transport shuttle, and so I think we've seen them before. I think they're sort of they're sort of like um, the original detachable piece to the ghost the phantom mm-hmm. the little ship in the back it's sort of that style with like a different head on it um like the foldable wing cargo ship mm-hmm. but that's what i thought it was at least okay so stuff stuff explodes cannon the cannons are destroyed wrecker and tech um come in on their attack run shooting their cannons and destroying more of the refinery they totally tokyo drift this attack it's pretty entertaining and the clones Never call. You know what I mean, though. No. It's like pulling up on the emergency brake and turning hard, right? They, like, spin out. And as they're spinning out, Wrecker is firing out the back, and it's just, like, strafing the facility because the point of the cannon is, is moving with the ship as it sort of yaws, as the back sort of yaws. And it just, right. okay. it just rakes the ground. So the clones call for reinforcements. Um, Rampart tells Hauser to stay put. And guard the capital while he dispatches the reinforcements to the refinery. Uh, Hunter and Tech break into the prison, or get to the prison and break the prisoners out of the cell. Hunter tells Cham that Hera hired them to rescue um, Cham and Alini. Um, this is pretty surprising to them, but more evidence of Hera's competence. Almost all of the troopers are pouring out of the capital to go to the battle at the refinery when Crosshair sort of does the calculus of the battle and realizes what's happening. And he tells some of them to stay back. He realizes that the attack at the refinery is meaningless, and it's just a distraction. So he gets he gets roughly a squad to stay back with him. Prisoners are trying to get out. Crosshair is taking the squad down and cut off their escape. As the Bad Batch, I mean, Hunter and Tech, and all the Twi'leks are trying to get out to leave, Hauser stops them 
tells them that they're walking into a trap, and if they go outside, they're going to be shot or recaptured. Yeah, it seems weird that they would just try to go out the front door anyway. It's a bad assumption that all of the soldiers are gone. You'd want to sneak out the way you came in, or at least sneak out a different way. Because, you know, there's, they're not just going to leave, you know, not, you know they're going to leave a, a small contingent behind. Not every soldier is going to... They did establish that getting, they did establish like getting in was quite hard, right? So they're, they had to like scale down the wall or scale up a wall to get in. So maybe they're trying to get to like a shuttle bay or something. But yeah, it's, it's a bad plan. And so Gobi doesn't trust Hauser. Hauser apologizes to Cham really falls on his emotional sword here. Cham forgives him. Laney says Hauser should come with them, but he's got that clone loyalty thing. Loyal mm-hmm. to his brothers to the end, and he decides to stay. It, it seemed like, you know, like Hunter kind of looked at, you know, after he said that he was going to stay, Hunter kind of looked at him. I don't know if those meant anything, but maybe, you know, maybe, because um, it got me thinking like, oh, are they hinting that, you know, he's thinking about Crosshair. You know, because the Hauser won't leave his troops behind. You know, Hunter thinking about Crosshair. Yeah, I think there is something there. I think there's a couple moments in this episode where there's some real reflection by the group and by Crosshair about the situation that they're in. But we can we can probably mm-hmm. talk about that in the wrap up. So now all of the parties, Tech, Wrecker, Hunter, Omega, Hera, the prisoners are all going to rendezvous at some point. I don't think we know where that point is. When everybody is away, Hauser opens the door where the squad was waiting for the ambush. He gives a short speech to the clones about not attacking the Twi'leks that helped them free Ryloth. And I want to say about half of them, maybe a little bit more than half, throw down their weapons when Hauser throws down his weapon, saying that it's not right to fight these people. Now, something that I don't remember seeing these before, but the the riot shields they use are identical to the ones that the First Order uses in The uh, the Force Awakens, where the one guy tosses the riot shield down to fight Finn uh, hand-to-hand. I did not notice that, but that is a great call, because um, I don't think we see a lot of Stormtrooper shields in general. Right. Or Clone Trooper shields in general. But it's a good call. I'll take a look at that and see what the design elements are um, between the two. So they about half of them throw down their weapons and crosshair orders that the traitors be arrested. And they are arrested. I really thought he was going to get shot here. Mm-hmm. So the group of prisoners and Tech and Hunter have gone and stolen Orn Freetaw's private shuttle. And they take off from the compound. Um, crosshair realizes too late what's happening and he shoots wildly at the ship and misses by a mile. Back at the rendezvous point, the Bad Batch turned down the payment for the rescue. Cham says that they need to organize for the coming war. Uh, Hunter says no thanks, he's going to take care of his people. Mm -hmm. And then Hera learns from Tech how to scramble a ship's signal. That's that's a little cool... Like It's really cool that Tech's in the corner showing her how to file off serial numbers of guns. (laughs) Yeah, it'll come in handy for uh, later in Rebels. And then Hera and Omega say goodbye. That's a pretty emotional scene. We cut back to Rampart. Rampart admits that he underestimated the Bad Batch. Crosshair asks permission to hunt them down. Rampart approves. The end. I thought this would have happened a lot earlier, but it's going to be about Crosshair, Crosshair and his squad 
trying to hunt them down. So going full A team where there's a, you know, in the A team there's the military consistent, you know, trying to hunt them down. But uh, you know, here it's just they are just like they just seem to be like, eh, just let them do whatever they, whatever, who cares? But now they're like making an actual you know, <clears throat> sorry, an actual effort to bring them in. It seemed like they were almost content with just ignoring them. But now now there's enough of a nuisance that they have to deal with them. And Crosshair wants to deal with them. And so it makes sense to makes sense to let them let them loose. I'm excited to see where this goes. We don't have very many episodes left. We have four. Will we find out what happens to Hauser and the and the clones? Or will it just be, you know, will that be part of, you know, the overall, you know, like them being replaced that, you know, that they've seen, you know, that they don't, they don't always follow orders. They don't, they won't follow these unlawful orders that uh, are being uh, handed out by Imperial officers. Yeah. So we did, we, we did speculate last week that this was going to be part of um, War Mantle, that Hauser's inability to assist in the capture of Cham or his active participation in their escape would um, sort of sign sign the final or put the final nail in the coffin of the clone program. Mm-hmm. Since since what actually happened was he actively helped them escape and then got half a squad to turn on the Empire, <laughs> they might be a liability now. Yeah, definitely. And so I think this is this will lead directly into War Mantle. The next episode isn't War Mantle; it's called Infested, I think. So I don't know what that means, but it's not War Mantle. We'll have to see what, what that's about. But we only have four episodes left, and there's a lot of stuff they have to cover. Right? They have to decide what they're going to do about Crosshair. Um, mm-hmm. they, have, they have to... Now they have Hauser and his like rebel clones. I don't, if they, they don't have to close that loop, I guess, but they probably should. Or maybe they'll come up in War Mantle. There's so much left to tell. One of the things I wanted to ask you, do you think we're going to get a season two? I hope so. Like, I thought, spoiler alert, I thought, like, Loki was, like, a one-and-done sort of thing, but there's a season two for it. So, you know, I think that they could drag this out a little bit, you know, for a second season. Um, hopefully, drag maybe is the wrong, you know, word to use, that, there, you know, there's more to say, you know, as far as, like, you know, show that, like, the 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 you know it's kind of like the real beginnings of, of the uh, the you know not the Republic, sorry the uh, the Rebel Alliance where it's just various people who are you know against the Empire but they don't know who each other are or anything like that so maybe you can see that in, like coalescing maybe under like Bail Organa or something I would be I would be on board with a second season as well I think there's a lot left to know and there's this is still a pretty dark period of time as far as canon material goes. It's not like I want to give Filoni a lot more opportunity to paper over other canon material, but there's there's stuff that there's good stories you can tell here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's still the Ome- like what's going on with Omega. Yeah, we have we have Caminos, um, we have Caminos, we have bounty hunters, we have the Omega mystery, we have the Crosshair. And Hunter problem, Crosshair and Bad Batch problem. We have now a squad of Rebel clones. Like there, there's a lot of stories to tell here, and we're not getting, yeah. we're not making a lot of progress. And so they're going to have to move fast. If they're going to have a new resolution, and I would be perfectly fine if we're going to get another another season of Bad Batch in a year. Um, I would be, 
I'll watch it and we'll review it. Cool. So overall, what did you think? Did you like it? I definitely liked the episode. It's it's not quite what I was expecting it to be, which is always a trap. I think they pulled up. I think they were on a trajectory, and a lot of people assumed that like Alani was going going to die in this episode. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, she just gets on a ship and flies away. So mm-hmm. she dies off. At this point, she dies off camera, which I think is terrible. But yeah, maybe you don't want to shoot the mother on a kid show. <laughs> yeah, she's. <laughs> Yeah, she gets leku cancer and dies in a hospice on, you know, on a different planet. Yeah, that would be, that would be the equivalent of like the movie Deep Star Six, where they they get out of the subterranean, like base under the ocean. They make it all the way back up to the top, and then they're eaten by a shark that had nothing to do with the, show, with the movie at all. Um, so yeah. Is that is that what happened? I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. Yeah, one of them gets eaten by a shark when they get up to the surface, like out of nothing, like out of nowhere. Yeah, I I I, I confused that movie with Leviathan because they came around came out around the same time. But um, yeah, well, anyways, back to Star Wars, the you know whole purpose for this podcast. Yeah, I um I liked it. It wasn't you know it wasn't my favorite. It, you know, it definitely had its its moments, and hopefully, there's more to you know. Some of the things that happened, like with the the uh, Hauser and the other clones being like, "Screw this! You know, we don't want to. We don't want to oppress people. We just want to. Uh, we just want to destroy things. You know, we want to shoot droids. We don't want to be rounding up civilians." Yeah, there's a there's a lot of potential there because Hauser. There might be hundreds of Hausers out there because they did set that up at the end. They said this is happening on a lot of planets. Mm-hmm. So, are there Hausers on other planets? Like getting shitty orders and like slow motion realizing that they're the bad guys yeah you know and they could have easily you know hauser and his men very well could have executed order 66 but you know the jedi are gone now you know it's Order 66 is done they don't they might be questioning like what 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 are they what are they doing now so so they you know still could have very well have you know, committed Order 66, but still be like, I don't like what we're doing. The Jedi's were traitor, we killed them, you know, but this seems excessive. So one of the things that I was I was wrestling with last week was um, the fact that this that episode was basically a Rebels prequel. And mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of thinking about it this week. And you've read Spark of the Rebellion. Is that what it's called? No. What, what's new, it? A New Dawn? A New Dawn, where it's Kanan... And Hera meet how they meet. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was thinking about that book and how it sort of fits in with the story. And it occurred to me that that book isn't really about Hera. It's really about Kanan sort of realizing that he can't hide his nature. And in mm-hmm. and in that book, Hera is already a great pilot, and she's already working for the Rebel Alliance. And so it's not a good prequel for her. But this like two-part episode thing is really establishing her character at a much earlier point in her genesis. She wants to fight, but she doesn't know how. She wants to fly, but she doesn't know how. Um, mm-hmm. And it's giving it's giving us this reference point. And so this is one of the reasons why I think this this is saved for me in a big way because it makes these episodes more important to me because it tells you something a lot about one of these characters and it and it kept those little continuity moments in there like with her dead brother and 
and things that are so subtle that probably most people missed it or just didn't remember. But it's so it's so deep and so good. I, I just love this character so much, Hera. And mm-hmm. and to have her get this spotlight when she wasn't really in a new dawn, except as like a supporting character who's already a badass who's helping Kanan find his way. I think th- I think these episodes are really, really important. And everyone should read A New, a new Dawn. Yeah. Especially for Skelly, because he he's what makes that book worthwhile. Yeah, go to hell, but um, <laughs> it's still good, even with Skelly in it. All right, so let's get to our ranking system. Now, if you're new to the podcast, our ranking system is based upon Star Wars characters. So a really good episode would be an original trilogy character or just somebody just generally really important, like a Luke, Han, Leia, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, you know, etc. You know, a... Uh, Bad episode would be, you know, the the Imperial um, working at the shield generator base who kind of like gives a little fist pump when um, they hear that the uh, the rebels have been uh, defeated uh, to his uh, friend. I love that scene. <laughs> it's just it's just an extra making sure to like get his little saying like yeah you'd be really jazzed so he'd be like yeah so that, I'm sure that guy has a name I don't know what it is but you know he's just a uh, He's a kind of a throwaway character, or maybe the hockey-haired X-wing pilot that, if you blink, you'll miss him in uh, A New Hope. So, Matt, what, what do you uh, what do you rank this episode at? Um, I'm going to give it a General Veers. He's the General Veers. He's the commander of the ATAT that blows up the shield generator on Hoth. The, hmm, the guy, okay. the guy with like the field helmet on. And, like, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know who he is. I'm just trying to think of why. Well, he's part of something. He's he's a he's an important character that has like a task to to do in a part of Star Wars that I love. But his actual role is probably substitutable. I I gave last week's episode a very high mark, and I'm trying to average it down a little bit across the two. Um, I love Veers. I think he's a great character great actor an important role in an important battle but mm-hmm. anyone could have blown up that shield generator um and he just got to be the one that did it did you have a character that you'd picked out to uh, exemplify this episode uh yeah i'm just thinking about it because i normally kind of do it off of the just kind of off the cuff but i'm gonna give it a a kaz Okay. You know, it was definitely part of something, but there was just a lot of just like, really? Okay. Um, you know, just stuff in it that was just kind of like I wasn't super, super thrilled about, but just went with it. So, and that's kind of how I feel about Kaz. We're going to review Resistance one day. I'm going to make us. <laughs> but I, I respect your I respect your opinion there. I think I think there was, a, I pointed out a couple of problematic areas of the episode that I, I found. And I think over over the span of the two, I love the Hera stuff and getting to know her a lot better. But um, I think I think it was not my favorite. Today was not my favorite episode. Right. Yeah, me too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, tune in next week where we will uh, discuss the uh, next episode of The Bad Batch, episode 13, which is called What to Get Out Infested. Infested. So that, uh, infested. So that's... It'll probably not be what you think.
Wrecker has craps. Oh, damn it. Okay. I was going to make a crap joke. <laughs> you know, thanks for listening. You know, if you, uh, you know, if you have a friend who really likes Star Wars, you know, tell them about the uh, podcast. If you have somebody you don't like, like your super racist uncle, you know, tell him about the podcast. You know, we survive on word of mouth because we're not uh, spending any money whatsoever on advertising, like any. Thank you, uh, Yubscribers, uh, as I think your friend called himself so uh, a while ago. So we'll be back next week. All right, bye. I'm bye. just dragging on. Bye. <laughs> thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yubnub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,